Welcome to the Mom to Mom podcast. Our hope is that this monthly podcast will provide both encouragement and practical help as you move forward in raising the next righteous generation. Thank you so much for listening. Hello, ladies. Welcome back to another Mom to Mom podcast. Today, we have the honor and privilege to hear from Tina Lewis. She's been married to her husband, Nathan, for 43 years. Tina and Nathan have a daughter, Tracy, and a son-in-law, Tim. Tina is also a grandma to three grand grandkids, ages 14, 11, and 10. She recently retired after 27 years working as the administrative secretary for Church in the Valley. Tina has also volunteered in many roles at Church in the Valley over the years. She leads the women's ministry and has led groups, coached leaders, coached in training programs, participated in many mission trips, and is currently serving in the nursery at our church. On a personal note, I have known Tina for 19 years now. She has not only been a mentor, but a dear friend and counselor. She has been a source of wisdom for me in my marriage and parenting journey and continually points me back to the truth of God's word. It, it is a privilege to have her in my life. Um, so moms, our theme today is being a wife while being a mom. How to keep your role as a wife in the forefront of your life. I am excited to hear from Tina today because one of our main goals in the Mom to Mom ministry is to help moms as they train the next generation. And a major part of that is maintaining a healthy marriage. Tina, thanks so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to come to talk about this subject. Let's go ahead and get started with our first question. Um, so starting off, give me a little background on your marriage. Okay. Um, we were married in 1975. and. Our first year of marriage was pretty fun, although we had some funky tensions and working through marriage stuff, probably like everybody else, but things like establishing roles. I lived on my own a uh, year and a half before getting married, so I think I felt like I was better in some areas, like handling finances and taking charge of the household. So it was harder for me, I think, to submit to him as the head of our home and what that looked like and probably for him to figure out what leading looked like and what leading me looked like. But another tension was some unsaid expectations, like me being able to cook like his mom and him being a jack-of-all-trades like my dad. Uh, Nathan calls these hidden contracts <laughs> that we come into without really recognizing we, we have some of those. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we worked through those. So... The next couple of years, we had hoped to get pregnant, and I hadn't. And actually, I'd had a false pregnancy, which was just heartbreaking to find that out after a few months of thinking that you're pregnant. So at that time, Nathan just thought it would be good timing, since we didn't have kids, to go back to, uh, for him to go back to college full-time. He'd had a semester... Um, before done before we got married. So he started back at Cal Baptist and then also worked part-time as a youth director. And then I worked full-time to help out. And about a semester later, I found out I was pregnant. Mm -hmm. And Tracy was born the beginning of his sophomore year. Um, and little did we know that the difficulty getting pregnant would kind of come up again later in marriage but that also she would be our only child, and we'd actually come to see her as our little miracle gift from God. Aww. So during those years, life was pretty hectic and hard financially, 
and then also figuring out the whole parenting thing. And we had just come to develop some pretty bad patterns of relating, like sarcasm and put-downs and name-calling and holding grudges. And they, these things develop slowly, so we just didn't pay attention to them or realize the harm that they were doing. They were just struggles. And... Um, thought they would work themselves out eventually, which they had not, and continued on through the rest of college, just wreaking havoc in our relationship. And in Nathan's senior year, um, in God's great timing, at a state youth conference that we took the youth to, Nathan had a conversation about our marriage with someone he just highly respected. And this man shared about having the same exact struggles in his marriage and what bad shape their marriage was in. And he had just told Nathan, um, in a short version, uh, that he basically turned to God for help and repented of how he was treating his wife and then humbly asked his wife for forgiveness. And he said they began to change their patterns and over time it really saved their marriage. So Nathan and I, he shared that with me and we took that to heart. We both did that very thing, and some months later, after graduation, God just began to lead us in a new direction after, I think, feeling stuck for a while. Um, but that direction was Fort Worth, Texas, for Nathan to do his grad school. And so at this point, we were married about six years, and Tracy was three. So in the moving truck on our way there, um, we prayed for God to give us three to four godly couple friends who had good marriages and that we could learn from. And through a recommendation, we found Hope Church in Fort Worth, which was about three years old at the time, and we just plugged right in. And we began learning some biblical key principles out of Scripture for relating rightly to others. Um, and they called them the Seven Heart Attitudes, which I know both of our churches um, mm -hmm. have adopted mm -hmm. also. Um, so we started practicing them in our own relationship and with Tracy, and God began over time to heal our marriage and just teach us His ways of relating. And they've continued to be a vital part of our lives, personally, in marriage and parenting and church life and at work, just across the board. So we were at Hope about 10 years and then moved back to California for Nathan's new job at Cal Baptist and to help Church in the Valley, also a three-year-old church plant, um, out of Hope Church, which is where we've been for 28 years. Wow. Wow. That's so... Thanks for that background. That's good. I think it's helpful for us to kind of get that little snapshot of, um, you know, your marriage. So thanks for sharing that. Sure. So let's talk a little bit more about... Okay, so you had your daughter. So how, how did your marriage change after you added your daughter? Um, well, first off, just probably don't need to say this, but <laughs> we were just thrilled to have her, especially after having such a hard time getting pregnant. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it was wonderful bonding time for our little family, and she was definitely a source of joy for us and still is. But after a while, it doesn't take long for selfishness to rear its ugly head, you know, it's the where's my Mary Janes <laughs> kind of thinking. And because we didn't deal with our relationship struggles earlier in marriage, we still had them. And now with less time and energy to deal with them rightly, it made it tough. 
So, you know, like trying to keep up with what you were doing before. Um, now only you have a baby that needs you for everything and you're tired. So I think between all of that and then just the finances becoming harder because we didn't have mm -hmm. my income anymore and then having a pretty colicky baby for the first four to five months, that's kind of tough. And with Nathan being gone with school and work a lot and us only having one car that he needed to get back and forth between school and work just led to feeling pretty lonely and isolated those few mm. years. Since we lived in Corona and back then at that time everything was and everyone was far away. Mm -hmm. So we just kicked into survival mode. So tell me, what was harder about your marriage while you were parenting? Well, I think just finding the time and the energy, you know, to yeah. talk about the deeper issues like our yes. relationship and our finances and even parenting issues like how are we going to discipline this little toddler or what to do about disrespect and disobedience and then even looking ahead of what's the next phase, what do we do about that. Um, in the early years, it was hard not having community, couples in our lives who we could be open and honest with, share struggles, who would speak truth to us, just some good couple friendships encouraging us in marriage and parenting which we would come to understand that need for community after going to Hope Church. Hmm. Um, and after about a few years in Texas, it was very difficult dealing with um, just finding out that we had secondary infertility. Um, having more kids was something we both really wanted, especially being in a better place in marriage, but those few years going through the testing and the treatments, they're just emotionally difficult times. Yeah. Um, we were around a lot of young families, a lot of young families at church at mm -hmm. that time, so that meant lots of pregnancies and lots of babies. And infertility wasn't really talked about much then, so it was easy to feel like, I'm not saying that's what it was, but it was easy to feel like I was the only one. Um, my small group knew about it, so that really helped. But I knew that life needed to keep moving, but because it was always at the forefront of my mind, I felt like I was just standing still, mm -hmm. just waiting and waiting, just constantly experiencing the death of a dream. Mm -hmm. But God was with us, and we knew that, and He gave us what we needed to get through it, and eventually we learned some key life lessons from it that in our pain, we came to be able to celebrate with others, um, which a lot is about just trusting what God has for us. Mm -hmm. And then to be grateful to God for what we had rather than just dwell on what we didn't have. And then a, a verse that has been with us forever since that time is, Man makes his plans, but God directs his steps. Proverbs 16.9 which is about living open-handedly. And that's a verse that God's used over and over. And as things came up and we didn't expect, but that we would just trust God in the midst of it. Well, that's, thanks for sharing that. And I, um, that scripture is very encouraging. Mm -hmm. That's, that's yeah. a, very true. Um, yeah, thanks for sharing that. Um, okay, I'm gonna transition a little bit to another question. So, was there anything you did intentionally um, 
that you did to prioritize your husband during the parenting season? Any thoughts on that? Um, well, one thing I think that helped me was learning to understand his needs and what helped him when he was stressed or tired. So one thing was just being able to play when he was available um, and he had time and he initiated doing something or going somewhere. You know, it could be last minute, it could be pulling dinner out of the microwave or something. and Or it could be the next day or just looking at the upcoming weekend. But it was mainly not coming back with all the reasons why I couldn't do something with him. And all of this is within reason, naturally. Yes. But you, you have modeled that for me in my, in my marriage. Mm -hmm. I think about you a lot. Um, yeah, and I've tried to do the same for my <laughs> husband. Yeah, because there are times when he just needs to... Mm -hmm put it all to the side and, and get yeah. out and play. And so yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. That yeah. For me. And just helping guard his downtime, like giving him those first 15 minutes of walking through the door after work to switch gears before us just telling him our whole day minute by minute, mm -hmm. you know. And um, so helping Tracy, too, understand, mm -hmm. just give Dad a few minutes to transition. Um, not having a honey-do list, which I, that was hard, but it actually, I learned, created more stress and, mm. and tension for him. I don't know about other people, but, you know, I'm not talking about things like the car breaking down or yeah. there's a leak in the house. Those yeah. things that automatically you have to kick in yeah. and fix, but just other things of, here's my list that I would love for you to do this weekend, you know, kind <laughs> of thing. So I'd let him know of things, but tried to do it without the pressure for him to do it on my team yeah. timetable but I can't say I didn't have hopes or desires that it may be done quick I just tried not to voice it unless it was an emergency and many times I prayed and asked God just to help me be patient and then also to bring it to his mind um, and then the other thing was just try not to commit to anything without running it by him first to guard his time in case he had some ideas for things or whatever. So Those are, that, those are really helpful um, tips. I've, again, you've modeled that for me in my marriage, so thank oh. you for that. <laughs> um, oh, how about um, just thinking about the different phases of parenting? You know, there's um, ba yeah, the stage with babies, preschool age, elementary, teen years. Um, can you speak to what, like, what to be mindful of during those seasons in regards to your marriage? Sure. Um, I don't know if I can speak to all of them, but maybe some general principles that come to mind to remember that one of them is just that just as your kids need nurturing, your marriage, um, mm -hmm. needs nurturing also. You can't neglect it or let it just be in cruise control until you launch your kids and then expect it to magically the relationship to be great. Um, it takes intentionality. Another thing is your kids need to know that they are not more important than your marriage, that the world does not revolve around them 24-7. Mm -hmm. So you tell them why you know you go on dates and celebrate your anniversary without them. Mm -hmm. and, um, and then also that they will not be allowed to divide and conquer, that you guys are a team and you, you, know, you really act cool. as a team. Because they'll try. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, another one is showing respect to him and helping your kids learn to do the same uh, and how they talk or answer. You know, the body, the 
facial expressions, the body language and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, talking well of him to your kids, affirming his character to him um, and uh, in front of him to them mm-hmm. so they hear that. It, it kind of gives your kids categories of how to be a certain kind of spouse or what to look for in a spouse. But one phrase, uh, one phase, sorry, that I think I could talk to maybe is the, the teen years. And this would be for girls since I've never yeah, had a be great. <laughs> male child. But when I, you know, in the teen years, the girls can tend to pull back some from their dads. Um, and probably around maybe, I don't know, 14, 16 during those years. And Nathan used to say, she doesn't laugh at my jokes or my puns anymore. <laughs> he would be sad. But, you know, with love and patience, uh, they usually bounce back, and she did. And, you know, the jokes were funny again, maybe. <laughs> um, but I tried to help her understand things about her dad as a man, like general things and personality types, which is helpful because they're both introverts, so she could understand a little bit more of him, but then he's the male version of that. Uh, why men, uh, what men take personally and why, um, like challenging their manhood, uh, their authority, competency, those kind of things. And then I just kind of watched on how she related to him. Um, so I started noticing some frustration in her sometimes in relating to her dad that I think was just a lack of understanding. Hmm. Like how men are not usually over-enthusiastic in commenting about a new dress or how her hair looks different or you know a drawing she did or something like that. I tried to encourage her to not interpret it wrongly as he doesn't care. Um, just because it wasn't the response that she wanted. That's how she would want to respond, you know, be responded mm-hmm. to. Um, that men may comment generally like, oh, that's nice, or that's pretty, or even just say, uh-huh. And women are more likely to comment <laughs> specifically like, oh, I love that color or that pattern. I like how you drew this or that this way. Just some male-female differences. Mm-hmm. So Another area was how she would tell her dad about an event or something that happened and frustrated if it seemed like he was impatient or a little antsy while she's telling this story. So I would tell her, you know, we are all about the drama and the surprise ending. There's nothing like building up this great story for the ending kind of a thing. But he actually just wants to know if everything's okay so he can relax and enjoy the story. And, you know, it just didn't make sense to her. But it was important I think for her to understand the dynamic and read it rightly. So I tried to help her understand if you just tell him the end first, like, okay, everything turns out all right, (laughs) and then go on with your story, um, you'll have his attention the whole time, and actually he'll be really interested, which that was hard for her because it's kind of like, well, why bother? It's like telling the punchline first, you know? It's like, but he really does want to hear it. He just... It just creates anxiety because he's not sure where this is going and what's going to happen. So, you know, and sometimes if she's caught him at a bad time, you know, I just tell her, like, in the middle, he's in the middle of something. He's just wondering, if you go off with this story, when when you're going to land the plane. Because, like, is this going to be five minutes? Is it going to be 20 minutes? And um, 
So I just would tell her, make sure you have his attention or even just ask, is this a good time that I could tell you something kind of a thing. So just a little understanding and clarification, I think, can help with girls and their dads. Yeah, and not only in their, were you blessing their relationship, you were painting a picture for her, um, you know, later on, uh, Lord willing, if she were to get married, how to, you know, be a help and a blessing mm-hmm. to relieve your husband too. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, that's, that's, um, that's encouraging stuff. Thank you for sharing that. Um, <clears throat> wow. Good stuff. <laughs> um, okay. So I'll transition a little bit to something a little more personally. Um, tell me a little about what God's been teaching you currently, just in this stage of your life. Okay. Well, lately it's just been the reminder again of the connection between my heart, my mind, and my mouth that if I'm not careful to guard what I'm thinking on and what I'm feeling, that it's going to show up in my actions and my words. Mm. And Matthew 12:34 says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So that kind of prompted me to do my quiet times um, on words and communication these last few months. And it's just been humbling to go over that again that I've done, I've dealt with many times over the decades. But but at least I know what scriptures to to go to. I've got them all written down. And, um, you know, I just go through and I review them and remind myself of just that, What's in my heart, what I'm feeling things, I need to make sure that they're right, for one, and then thinking on the right things. Because if not, you know, my feelings, they'll just get out of control and, you know, things go south. And then that comes out through my tone of voice, can come out in criticism, um, comparison, all kinds of things. So my, it's a reminder to me that my words will either build up or tear down my marriage and my other relationships if I just don't nip it in the bud when I begin noticing it. Yes, right there with you with that. (laughs) Definitely a good, that's that's helpful to hear that you're continuing to go back to God's word for that, for the Mm -hmm. health and that, um, yeah, thanks for sharing that. Sure. can you uh, think through a couple ways you'd like to encourage the moms who are listening who are currently right in the trenches of parenting? Well, the first thing that just came to my mind, which I imagine other people who have done this have probably said the same thing, and that is just to stay in the Word and get your perspective from it mm-hmm. because, you know, your perspective can really get skewed. Mm-hmm. if. If you're getting it from all other places and you're not letting the Word speak to you about it. But just to ask God for help, um, energy, patience, courage, wisdom, whatever it is you need. And keep reminding yourself that God is with you and He will show you and help you. Um, Psalm 119.105 says, Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. So it's God's Word that's really going to light your way. And so you want to look to the Word of um, for your perspective and how you're relating um, and treating other people and, and all of that. So I think the other thing was just to make it a joy for your husband to lead. Uh, definitely a way of making him a priority. But in doing that, 
you just be showing him respect and affirming him and being a loving helpmate and also an example to your kids. Your kids will see that and um, they will learn from that about how to make it a joy for other people um, over them to lead. Uh, Hebrews 13.17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. So obey them so their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. And I know none of us want to be a burden, but that's actually how it comes out. If we're not making it a joy for him, then it becomes a burden for him to lead us because he's got other things on his plate that he's already has concerns over. And then now he's got to try and figure out how to lead somebody who is not wanting to be led or making it tough on him. So that was just another hard attitude that I desperately needed to learn. And it was really, really helpful at a key time when I had, you know, learned it. Not that I have it down. (laughs) It's not perfect. But, but it was, it's, was crucial to learn in it. You know, God just always brings it, brings it back to mind of trying to be a joy to Nathan for him to lead me. Yeah, that's, that is really helpful perspective. I was just thinking about, about that personally, just, wow, just analyzing in my own marriage, like, it, there's probably them being a burden, you know, and, and mm-hmm. how could I be a, more of a blessing, you mm-hmm. know, to my husband. So that's yeah. really helpful. Thank you for, <laughs> for that, um, sharing that. Um, any other comments, you nuggets of truth you'd like to share um, with our moms? Well, I think just like in parenting, and you guys have done some things on the destination goals in parenting, mm-hmm. I, you know, I was thinking, so do the same thing in marriage, having destination goals for marriage, which is having a long-term view for a healthy, God-honoring marriage. So you can ask yourself, what do I want my marriage to look like or be like when my kids launch and or in my 50s or 60s or on, Lord willing? Um, what do I need to do now to get there? Are there some relating patterns that need that I need to ask God for and to help in changing? Um, is there something I can begin to do to make my relationship and my marriage a priority? So some of it's just asking yourself these questions that, uh, like with the children, the, um, the parenting destination goals, you know you're starting with the end in mind, so you're mm-hmm. working backwards. If I would like my child to be this way when they launch, these are the things I need. So this is the same way. If I want a healthy relationship um, well on past when your kids leave, then what are some things that I need to think about in my marriage? And so that's what those questions I think would help for. And then also, what do people what do people see in my marriage that makes God's design for marriage look good? Mm. Um, how does my marriage glorify God and then cause others to want God in their life and in, and marriage because of it? So that's really helpful. Well, hopefully this is this is helpful in these parenting years for moms where um, you both as a team are really stretched in life. But it is crucial to continue to, you know, work on on marriage, making it what God had intended and loving your husband in the midst of it, too. Oh, man, this is so good. <laughs> I, um, I know, I was just, I've recently been thinking, I'm wrapping up um, my parenting stage. I, my youngest is 17. And 
I got to thinking, wow, the parenting stage of our marriage was actually pretty short. (laughs) In perspective, Lord willing, we have many years ahead of us in marriage. And um, so, wow, just this is so helpful. And I really appreciate where you, that last uh, part you talked about, like, beginning with the with uh, the end in mind and thinking through the kind of marriage you're going to want later on mm-hmm. and cultivating that in the midst of a, there's a lot going on while you're parenting so mm-hmm. this is so helpful Tina um Claire okay. I'm so thank you so much for sharing this wisdom with all of us today um I've really appreciated your honesty and the truth that you've shared with us um I this is really valuable and I, I think it can be really helpful to mm-hmm. our moms and well, so Thank you for asking. I appreciate it. Um, So grateful. Fellow moms out there, I hope this has been a help to you and an encouragement as you seek to train your child to love God and know Him. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope that you've been encouraged to move forward in your parenting journey and that you have some practical next steps you can readily apply. Join us again next month for another Mom to Mom podcast.